Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Looking to build wealth beyond the stock market? Gain access to alternative investment opportunities once reserved for the ultra-wealthy with Yield Street. Build a diversified portfolio with investments such as real estate, art, commercial finance, and other alternatives typically with low stock market correlation and targeting annual yields of up to 15%. Yield Street investment minimums start at $1,000. Head to YieldStreet.com to join over 275,000 members and create your account today. Okay, let's go ahead and get this party started. Hello and welcome one and all to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. And I have no doubt, sir, that you are near despondent over the fact that Black History Month ends a week from today. (laughs) I knew you were. I don't know why you don't have your Kenti cloth on, but... uh, Yeah, you need to uh, get that out. You've got literally, sir, seven days to celebrate Black History Month before it turns into God knows what else month. But March is soon upon us, folks. So if you have the urge to get that out of your system to party for Black History Month one week from today, it is done. And when you are done doing that, if you want to get hold of me, there are a couple different ways to do so. My email, of course, is miller at millerfrostonline.com. Now that Parler is back up, I've been, I guess I can't say I've been tweeting, but I've been parlaring or parlaying a little bit more than uh, I had been a couple days ago. And that is my, my handle there is at millerfrost. And then, of course, I also have my locals, my local site, and that is millerfrostshow.locals.com. I guess the big news this week, at least in in conservative circles, has been the uh, the passing of, of Rush Limbaugh. And at the time, on Wednesday, White Boy Malcolm X and I were recording uh, the Wednesday podcast. And if you haven't heard that, well, of course, I think you should listen to it. But when we do that, we do that like we are now. We do that in what I call lockdown mode. So everything is on airplane mode. Everything is shut down. That way, we're not distracted with the dings and the chimes and all the other stuff, all the notifications from phones and laptops and iPads and all the other crap. Uh, but we came out of that in, I would say, early afternoon, and that is when we we saw the news. And, you know, it's it's hard in, in a way. I never knew the man, but he was such a, an instrumental part of my life for, for so many years. And I think everyone has, else has been telling their stories about the first time they heard Rush. So I wanted to start this podcast telling mine, and it's not as fun as some other people's, but... Uh, at the time, I was in school working on my first undergraduate degree, and I was living at home. And no, I was not living in my parents' basement. I actually had a room upstairs. <laughs> but I was up there in the great room upstairs, and I was studying, which was kind of odd for me back in the day to actually be studying. But my father had come home from lunch, and he turned the radio on, and I could kind of hear it downstairs, uh, going down the stairs into the kitchen area. And there was this guy on the radio talking about 
how Bill Clinton would change the color of his hair. He would dye his hair depending on the audience. So for certain audiences, he would have his hair dyed much more gray, and then other instances he would have it dyed much more dark. And I can't remember which was which or why, but it was just kind of funny. And I went downstairs at the time, and I'd ask Papa Frost who that was, and he was like, well, that's Rush Limbaugh. And so that began the journey of Rush in my life back in, I think it was 1992, and people come in and out of your lives, and, and Rush was no different. I mean, I listened to him fastidiously for, for quite some time. I wasn't always able to tune in three hours a day, five days a week, but I listened to him quite a bit, and he was very instrumental in not necessarily changing my views. I kind of always knew I was more conservative than not, but really, I think, helping me to articulate those views and be able to, to speak as to why I felt I was more conservative than not. And I'm not a you know dogma conservative in, in any way, shape, or form, but I tend to be more conservative than not. Certainly not uh, a liberal. I would be more libertarian than liberal. And I will admit, there was a time where I just wasn't able to tune in. I wasn't able to, to listen to him. And I got back into his show a couple years ago and really was starting to download the podcast a lot more and listen to them a lot more frequently. So Rush leaving like this, I mean, I guess after after last year's news about the stage four lung cancer, we all knew this day was coming, and we were hoping. I know I was hoping that it would uh, it would not be now. I guess when he started missing more and more shows, especially beginning of the year, I could tell it was getting it was getting closer. So it wasn't a shock to me Wednesday, but it was still in a way it was a shock. And and to have him in my life for about twenty nine years, um, he was in my life to some extent, and being able to listen to him. And mostly agree with him, but sometimes, you know, vehemently disagree with him on certain issues. Um, for me, it was a wonderful opportunity to to learn and to grow and to really, like I said earlier, find a way to better articulate my views and to have those sorts of meaningful discussions with people about what I felt and and why I felt that way. And I just wanted to say at this point, rest in peace, Rush. You are loved and you are missed by Millions and millions and millions of people out there. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. And speaking of, of Rush, White Boy Malcolm X, I'll tell you what, those queens are angry. <laughs> and I had just talked on this podcast, Larry Flint passed away, I think a week or two ago. And at the time I said, rest in peace, Larry and I don't know Larry Flint. I'm sure, like I said at the time, he and I would not agree on much. But, you know, my philosophy is you don't kick people when they're dead. And I've said this several times on this podcast that when Nancy Pelosi goes, and I don't wish any will ill on her, trust me, but I vehemently disagree with her and her policies. And I just think she's a vindictive, nasty human being. But when she goes, I'm not going to sit on this podcast and trash her because she's dead. I will say rest in peace, Nancy Pelosi. But these queens, I tell you what, and you know what they're butthurt about? They are butthurt 30 years ago, folks. Rush, and I'm not going to defend this at all. In fact, I quite frankly, I do find that abhorrent. But Rush 30 years ago-ish would read off the names of people who had died of AIDS. And my philosophy is people evolve. And I have no doubt in my mind that Rush evolved just like all of us do or most of us do. And... I can't say for certain that he looked back on that and had some regrets, but I can't imagine he didn't have any regrets over that. But, you know, it happened 30 years ago, right? Things that people did or said 30 years ago, 
And that's part of that cancel culture, though, right? Because if you say something 30 years ago that doesn't conform to today's norms or today's thoughts, then out you go. And so that was one of the things, and I think that was the primary issue that a lot of people had uh, trouble with him in the gay community was the fact that uh, he was not liberal, of course, but the fact that he was reading off these these names like that. And they're, those Queens white boy Malcolm X, they're even getting nasty with Elton John. God. <laughs> Going after him, I saw a couple of news articles where people are trashing him because I guess he sang at their wedding. And for Elton, it was a paycheck wedding. <laughs> Good for him if he got paid a lot of money to do it. But I, I suppose if he really thought that Rush Limbaugh was a vile homophobe and wanted all of us dead, he would not have done it. I don't think he needs money that bad, but uh, yeah, they have, they're going after him hard. And you know who is getting a lot of press coverage these days is Chastin Buttigieg. God, that queen is being snarky. And I saw article after article after article. And I only troll the gay news websites just to, uh, just to get some good stuff for our pile here. But man, they were all celebrating. All those queens like, oh, look at Chastin. He's just snarky on rush. Good for him. Good for him. God. That low-rent Indiana queen kicking Rush when he is gone. I hope you feel better, Chastin. That uh, that queen's probably like, I'm just going to be first lady one day. I'm going to be so fabulous. <laughs> Him and Pete. But Chastin there on uh, social media trashing Rush Limbaugh. Bunch of vile, unhappy human beings going after the man when he is gone. <laughs> Settle down, girls. And you might like this one, Mike, by Malcolm X. The Hockey News, and who knew they even existed, but they released, folks, they released their 2021 diversity issue, and they are in a little bit of trouble. And why? Because they put a white guy, (laughs) they put a white guy on the cover. And everyone, folks, everyone, all those woke people, they got a little butthurt about it. (laughs) But the question I have to ask is, are there even black people in hockey? (laughs) To put on the diversity issue, because I can't see that. I do not know of any. Now, I know that might just be my my systemic racism and my white supremacy thinking there that I don't know of any, or I just assume there are no black people in hockey, but they are in a little bit of trouble with that. I assume not, because I assume that black, like uh, we had an article about climbing, and the climbing community is a bunch of white people. And my argument was, well, maybe black people just don't like to climb. I'm like, God, that looks like a lot of effort. That's what I think. I'm like, I'm not doing that. If I'm going up a hill, it's going to be on a ski lift. And if I'm going down the hill, it's going to be on a snowboard. (laughs) It has nothing to do with me walking or climbing or anything. And I just assume if there are no black people in hockey or if there are just a handful of black people in hockey, it's because they do have an appreciation for their teeth. (laughs) Every hockey player I see is missing at least one or two of those puppies getting them smashed out left and right. So I don't know why everyone is so upset about that, but the hockey news, white people on the diversity issue. Speaking of butthurt, this is out of the Boston.com website. Elizabeth Warren, Pocahontas, is unhappy, folks. She is unhappy with creepy Uncle Joe Biden, the hair sniffer, because he does not want to waive $50,000 in student loans. (laughs) Here you go. You don't have to pay that back, folks. No, I think he only wants like uh, $10,000 or they're going to settle on some number, but it will not be $50,000. And she is unhappy with him because she wants to help those spoiled rich white kids with their special pronouns pay off their six-figure, I don't know, gender studies degrees or whatever, 
worthless degree from a private college or private university they can't afford to pay back on their own because the best they will ever do with that stupid degree is be a shift supervisor at a Starbucks. And I did capture this quote from Elizabeth. Even if you don't have student loan debt, you will be helped by seeing student loan debt canceled because it will help our economy and it invests in our future. And does anyone other than those stupid idiots who have amassed six figures in student loans. Does anyone believe that? God. Okay, Elizabeth, you have fun with that. Coming out of The Guardian, Demi Lovato, who I believe is a singer. She may be an actress. I don't know. Demi, if you are listening to this podcast, I apologize for not getting all your credentials. I believe I do have one of your songs on my iPhone, though. But she says she had, apparently, folks, she had a drug overdose back in 2018, And she said at the time she had three strokes and a heart attack off of that overdose. And woof. Now, I'm not making fun of Demi Lovato. Trust me, folks. I am not. But this is just a gentle reminder to all you uh, Gen Z folks and millennial folks out there that you are are not invincible. And it just reminds me of that Bee Gees documentary I watched a couple months ago when Mama Frost was up for, for Christmas talking about Andy Gibb dying at 30 because I guess all the cocaine he was doing or drugs he was doing, his heart gave out at 30. And so you just got to keep an eye on yourselves, kids. Don't do those drugs. <laughs> Stay away from that. I'll be like Nancy Reagan. Don't do drugs. Just say no. PJ Media, folks. How's this headline? Diversity, equity, and inclusion was the fastest growing job category on LinkedIn in in 2020. <laughs> Makes perfect sense to me. I don't know about you folks, but it makes perfect sense to me with all those woke companies out there that they need the woke enforcers in the diversity, equity, and inclusion space to join their payrolls and make sure everyone in their staffs is being is behaving themselves. That job posting, that job category, folks, has has increased 90% since 2019. And I was going to say, white boy Malcolm X, man, that is great news for queens with clipboards. But unfortunately, the salary is only, the average salary for these folks is seventy-three dollars to $97,000. And folks, queens with clipboards do not come cheap. So they're like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that for under six figures. Just go away. Get out of my face. Come back with more money. According to the New York Post, Andy Cuomo, the dopey governor of New York, and they are going after him. AOC is going after him, the Republicans in all three of the Republicans in New York are going after him, and the uh, the Democrats are going after him as well, and who knows if he will survive this, but he has pulled a uh, a T.J. Ducklow, and if you're like, who the hell, Miller, who is T.J. Ducklow? Well, folks, he is the D.C. Lothario and Swamp Stud who has all those women in D.C. just getting all excited because he is a typical pajama boy, virgin pajama boy in D.C., and he also threatened a reporter down in uh, in D.C. But Andy Cuomo, folks, has threatened a Queens Democrat over his nursing home scandal. And he said, you will be destroyed. <laughs> God. Which reminds me of Brian Sims. And if you're like, well, Miller, who the hell is Brian Sims? Keep throwing out all these names. Brian Sims, folks, he is an openly gay representative in the state of Pennsylvania. He is now running, apparently wants to run for the lieutenant governorship of the state of Pennsylvania, but he also, he threatened a Republican with nasty texts and I think voicemails or whatnot. We had that story a few months ago, 
because the Republican was getting all in his lane about some gay rights thing. And Brian was all butthurt about that. So he called him threatening him being kind of a bitchy queen. But uh, yeah, Andy Kuma was another bitchy queen, <laughs> acting like one anyway. I'll tell you what, Democrats are the biggest pack of mean girls out there. God. <laughs> threatening people left and, and right. And speaking of which, though, speaking of Democrat mean girls, this off of Breitbart, House Democrats introduced No Glory for Hate Act to prevent Trump name from being displayed on federal projects. So no post offices or buildings, anything named after Trump. Because Nancy Pelosi and her group of merry sycophants, they are a vindictive bunch. I tell you what, Nancy just, I don't know, I feel sorry for that woman. She needs to get laid or something because, man, she is uptight and angry. She hates Donald. He lives rent-free in her brain. And from the Washington Free Beacon, folks, Senior partners at Paul Hastings. And if you're like, Miller, all these names, I don't know who these people are. Who is Paul Hastings? Paul Hastings, folks, that's actually a law firm. And it is Paul Hastings, Janofsky, and Walker. And if you're wondering how I know that, I just do. I'm not going to get into it. But senior partners at Paul Hastings, hired to review Lincoln Project scandal, have donated thousands, thousands to the Lincoln Project. <laughs> Foxes have been asked to review the handout. <laughs> Okay, then, you folks at Paul Hastings will give them money. I guarantee you they're not going to find anything wrong, especially if their money is paying for it. White Boy Malcolm X, this is a local story. This is off of Boston.com. The top five spots for crying in Boston. (laughs) And all I picture, folks, is a bunch of hysterical millennials. So if you are in the Boston area or you want to come to Boston and you need to just crank out a good, uh, good tier... These are the five top spots for crying in Boston. Along the Charles River, which actually is a very beautiful area, they've developed that into a, at least on the Boston side, a wonderful park area. So if you want to go sit on a bench and sob away looking at the Charles River, you can do that. Number two is on the T, and the T, folks, is our subway system. So if you're not out on the Charles River looking at the river, you are on the subway apparently crying. (laughs) The Public Garden is is number three, and I understand that one, actually, folks. And, and the reason I do is because you know how woke I am, right? And we've got a lot of woke folk in, in the Boston area, and the Public Garden is actually a very beautiful area. It's right next to the Boston Common, but it's in the summertime especially, it's got a lot of pretty flowers and bushes and all that other crap. But it also has a statue of George Washington on a horse. So you want to talk about speciest oppression. <laughs> I can understand... People, woke folk walking into the public garden, you've got George Washington. I don't know how tall that statue is, but it's it's a big statue. And I bet they just burst into tears. <laughs> you've got a racist white slaveholder on, a, on top of a horse. That would make anyone in the city of Boston cry. Number four is the Boston Harbor. And number five is the Christian Science Monitor. And that is near Fenway Park. And I don't know whether it's because the word Christian in there, but they actually really do have a nice... Nicely developed plaza area over there. So those are the top five spots for crying in Boston. If you are a hysterical millennial, you can get it out, get those tears out. And you can do that with other like-minded folks in those top five areas. Fox News is reporting that John Kerry, Lurch, has learned nothing apparently from Al Gore. And we talked about this on a previous podcast where Al Gore predicted, I think it was, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, the earth was done. We were finished as a species. The planet was cooked. 
if we didn't take drastic action and uh, Rush Limbaugh, speaking of which, at the time, put that up. He put a countdown up on his website. The time came and went. And guess what? We're all still here. But apparently John Kerry has learned nothing. He has now declared, folks, that uh, we have nine years. So another nine years to go to avert the worst consequences of a climate crisis. God. What a silly, stupid drama queen he is, but yes. So we're going to have to start another countdown for John Kerry. (laughs) Because if Al Gore wasn't wrong enough, I guess we'll have to add John Kerry to that mix. Breitbart is saying that Facebook, that is Mark Zuckerberg and his virgin pajama boy posse, those folks will be fact-checking global warming misinformation moving forward. So if you put on your on your Facebook feed, for example, that if you are a climate denier or you deny that, I don't know, Al Gore is sexy or uh, John Kerry is sexy, whatever, they're going to block that. Those uh, those virgin pajama boys are not having any of that. That is considered global warming or climate change misinformation. They're going to block that from your feed and from your friends seeing that. Did you know, White Boy Malcolm X, did you know that Tim Tebow has retired from baseball after five years? He did. Yes, he uh, he did. We want to wish him the uh, the best here from the Miller Frost Show. I know he tried to get into the majors. I don't know if he was ever called up, but uh, he gave it a good shot uh, at uh, try to do that uh, after his football career. So I don't know what Tim is up to now. I think he just got married or engaged or something like that. But we wish you, Tim, we wish you all the best in your next endeavor. According to Blaze Media, nearly a third of Americans want to break up the United States into like-minded countries. And obviously, this is just a news quick hit, so I didn't have the list, but there are like four or five different countries. God, Good luck doing that. White Boy Malcolm X, you and I might be stuck behind enemy lines. I might have to move, get out of New England if that is the case, because the last thing I want is President Elizabeth Warren. That would be creepy. Paris Hilton, folks. Paris Hilton, remember her? She, we, well, she has turned 40. We want to wish her a happy birthday. <laughs> I guess I don't know. God, you don't hear much from her anymore. I tell you what, uh, I guess she has been supplanted by younger, more attractive, I guess, idiots. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, she got famous kind of looking like and acting like an idiot. <laughs> she has been replaced at this point, and I, you don't hear much from her. Last I heard from Paris Hilton, other than the fact that she turned 40, was she was dating some, one of these androgynous-looking models. Not my type, but, you know, you have different types of models, right? You have uh, men models who look just like men, and then you have these kind of androgynous, wayfish, pansy boy-type models, and that's what she was dating. (laughs) I don't know this kid's name. I don't even know if they are still together, but Paris Hilton, folks, has turned 40 years old, and if you thought you were old, Paris Hilton, damn. Speaking of dopey, vapid celebrities, so if you think Paris Hilton wasn't bad enough, this is from the AP. Kim Kardashian West has filed for divorce from Kanye West. So those two are officially done. And I I care or anything, but I don't know. I just don't, I've never understood the fascination with that, that family. And I mean, they are nothing but a train wreck, which I guess is the fascination. But I mean, who doesn't like a good train wreck? But that one... Meh, not for me. Doesn't do anything for me. But they have made huge bank. Enormous, enormous amounts of money being famous for just being famous, just like Paris Hilton. And speaking of which, Kendall Jenner is, I guess, the sister? I don't know. There are Jenners and there are Kardashians. They're all related. I don't know how. 
But she's in trouble as well. So poor Kim is getting a divorce. And I don't know who has more money, she or Kanye, but that will be an interesting uh, fight to see. But Kendall Jenner, folks, I kind of feel bad for her a little bit because, you know, she is so dumb that I don't think she could be unwoke if she tried. (laughs) Bless her heart. But she's in trouble because she has launched a tequila brand. Like who in Hollywood has not launched their own tequila brand? She has done that as well. She is trying to get in and cash in because I guess whatever money she has isn't enough. And she is now being accused of cultural appropriation. (laughs) Bless her heart. Like I said, I mean, she is as dumb as a box of rocks. And I apologize if you were a box of rocks out there listening to this podcast for the comparison. But I don't think that woman could try to be unwoke. If you paid her a million bucks to do it, she couldn't do it. But now she is being accused of cultural appropriation. This is from Insider and White Boy Malcolm X. I have absolutely no idea, literally no idea how this story got by us. Here's the headline. Elliot Page filed for divorce from Emma Portner last month. <laughs> I, I just literally have no idea. The number of stories I put together for this podcast and that one, that one was nowhere on any of the media that I go to. But, you know, I kind of feel bad for Emma Portner <laughs> at this point because God knows what she's going through. So last year, right, she, I guess those two have been together for about three years, right? So Emma's a lesbian. She meets Ellen Page at the time and, oh, she's a lesbian, right? Great. And they hang out and they enjoy each other's company and they finally get married and everything's wonderful. And then last fall, Ellen Page, I guess, went to her and said, I'm actually a man. I choose to identify as a man and my name is Elliot and my pronouns are, I think she's got two sets of pronouns. This is how high maintenance Elliot Page is. He, him, and them, they. So Elliot has two sets of pronouns, and I don't know which you're supposed to use when, but that's the situation. So Emma's like, she comes out, and she's like, yes, I'm very supportive of Elliot, and I think this is wonderful, but I'm sure in the back, the recesses of her mind, she's like, I'm a lesbian, and now I'm married to a man. How the hell did this go wrong? And so now Elliot's like, yeah, I don't want you so much. I'm, uh, no, I'm not into lesbian women. So Elliot is divorcing Emma, and who knows what kind of mess that's going to create. But poor Emma having to go through that. Okay, now that we are done our news quick hits, let's go ahead and dig into the pile. And yes, white boy Malcolm X, gay is at the front. And smoking gun, a Florida smoking gun story, folks, which you do not want to miss, is finishing up the podcast. But this one is from Queerty. And it reminds me of, we've talked about this several times, about how people, especially in the LGBT community, not the T though, Everyone else in the LGBTQ plus community is kind of getting sick of the transgenders because they are folks, let's face it, they are a bunch of bullies if they don't get their way. If you don't use their special pronouns, they get teed off. If you don't agree with them that a a man or someone standing there with a penis is a woman, if they say they're a woman, they get really butthurt about that. They get nasty. And if you're a lesbian and going, you know what? You know, you got to kind of have to have a vagina to be a woman. They'll call you a turf. And they will get nasty. They'll call you a transphobe. They'll call you all sorts of names. They go after like J.K. Rowling is their favorite whipping boy. They go after all sorts of people if you don't properly genuflect to their demands and what they want to define as gender these days. And so how's this headline? Gay camp in Michigan under fire for issuing genital requirements. Woof. Folks, you don't do that with the transgender community. You know, if you're standing there with a vagina and you say, well, I'm a man, you better be like, yes, sir. Welcome to the club. But people are like, they're tired of it. They're tired of being like, no, if you're standing there with a vagina, you are not a man. And so these queens are like 
they're putting in rules. I don't know what unfortunate queen has to... Well, I shouldn't say that. I wonder what fortunate queen, depending on uh, which side of the uh, coin you're on, which fortunate queen gets to do the genital inspections. <laughs> Can you see that white boy, Michael Max? Welcome to Camp Boomerang. Pull down your pants. <laughs> oh, well, let's find out what is going on with these queens who are, no doubt, folks, they are in a lot of trouble. Camp Boomerang, the new gay men-oriented camp near Orleans, Michigan, has come under fire for discrimination. And it hasn't even opened yet. Owners of the camp declared on social media that transgender men will not be allowed on the campground. Camp Boomerang is a private, membership-only RV park campground that allows only guys, said Brian Quinn, owner of the Camp Boomerang, in a Facebook post, according to Pride Source. A guy, in terms of this discussion, is defined as a person with a penis who presents himself as male and has a state-issued ID that says male. We understand the statement, unfortunately, may not make everyone happy, but feel it needs to be clarified, Quinn continued. It is our hope that everyone who visits Camp Boomerang enjoys a comfortable, safe, non-confrontational environment going forward. Being a private, membership-only entity allows us the ability to build a like-minded atmosphere. We don't mean for this to come off as a like-it-or-leave-it attitude, but we feel it's necessary for everyone to know exactly what our vision is for Camp Boomerang. Needless to say, the odd declaration invited immediate online backlash, prompting more comments from Quinn. Let's be real here, Quinn added in one comment. If we let women that act like men in, and they go naked at the pool, that's when it's obvious that there's no penis. Sorry to put it bluntly, but if you don't like the rules, quietly leave. Quinn's comments have not placated angry campers, who interpret the Camp Boomerang policy as (gasps) transphobic. (laughs) Who couldn't see that one coming? Any type of policy that would require someone to prove their gender identity is counterproductive to advancing LGBTQ rights and divides our community, Executive Director Braden Miselek of Transcend the Binary said of the ID policies. As someone who lives with dysphoria, this news is very dehumanizing. Any kind of discriminatory policies like this erase us as a community. It invalidates our lived experiences and perpetuates narratives of illegitimacy, which can and does lead to harm for trans and non-binary people. (laughs) Right out, folks, right out of the transgender victimhood playbook. And it's funny because J.K. Rowling said something almost identically similar, and I'm sure Braden Miselek would probably have a hissy fit (laughs) if I said that to him, but uh, it's true. I mean, what does she say? If sex isn't real, there's no same-sex attraction if sex isn't real, the lived reality of women globally is erased. And there's Brayden because they can't get into Camp Boomerang complaining about being erased as a community. <laughs> hmm, how interesting. Those two use the exact same word. At the time of this writing, it appears the Facebook pages for Camp Boomerang have been taken offline. The campground has also received negative reviews on Google, awarding it only 2.1 stars. <laughs> You go, transgenders. You give them those one stars. <laughs> hmm. What do you say about that without getting called a transphobe? Well, let me try something anyway. You know, gay men in general, right? I'm sure there are gay men out there who are into transgender men, right? And you know what? More power to you. If that's your thing, if that floats your boat, I wish you all the best. I'm very libertarian in that sense. I always say if you're not hurting kids or animals, and yes, I'm talking to you high school teachers. As long as you're not hurting kids or animals, you know, I don't give a crap what two people, three people, 
10 people. <laughs> Those legs in the air parties in Belgium. I don't care what you queens do. <laughs> but, you know, in general, though, I would think that gay men want to be with another man. They don't want to be with a man with a vagina, right? They, they want to, and I'm sure that Camp Boomerang is just a hookup park. I'm sure they just, they all go up there and they're in the hot tub. They're doing this, they're doing that. And they're just hooking up left and right. And I bet you got a lot of size queens over there. You know, I'm not even going to say anything more about that. I'll let you figure that one out on your own. But I'm sure they don't want to go to this park and like, man, I'm going to hook up with another guy and I'm like, mm, 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 whatever, whatever. And they're like, they see this guy. And they're like, damn, now that is a cute guy. And I want that. And they like go to the hot tub and uh-oh. That guy has a vagina. <laughs> like, oh, what am I supposed to do with that, right? Because that's not what a gay man is gay for. They, they're not gay to get a vagina, right? If they were gay with a vagina, they'd say, okay, I'm just going to go all in. I'm going to be straight. Oh, there's the vagina. It's already there. And I'll just take the breasts. And that's all I want. Then I'm not a gay man, right? But uh, gay men want another penis. <laughs> but, but you're not supposed to say that, right? You're not supposed to say, well, I'm a gay man. And part of that means I like whatever with an, another man and uh, everything that comes with that. The correct thing, dogma says that you're supposed to say, well, there's a man standing in front of me, but this man has a vagina. And yes, I am all into that. <laughs> Even though you're lying to yourself, you're lying to everyone else. You're just supposed to say that because that is the woke thing to say. And you're not supposed to rock any boats. And you're not supposed to get the transgenders all butthurt if you don't, you know, full throttled, wholeheartedly agree with that. And... <laughs> Although I think most people just do it because they just don't want to deal with this insufferable whining and complaining from the transgender community. <laughs> and you know what, Brayden? I just, the only thing I would say on top of the fact that gay men just want to be around other gay men, they do not want to be around women who label themselves as men. It's just not their things. You folks in the transgender community are just a bunch of pain in the asses about everything, about your special pronouns. And your special sexual identities and your special sexual orientations and all your specialness. And everyone's just like, oh, you people are just exhausting. You are exhausting us. You are giving us a headache. Just stop it. They just want to go to a camp, hook up with another guy and just call it a day. And they don't have to worry about, did I get my pronouns right? Did I get my genuflecting correct? Did I get everything correct so I don't piss off any transgenders? They just want to go to this lovely camp and hang out. And they, <laughs> they may not be able to do that now. Hang tough, guys. You folks at Camp Boomerang, hang tough there. Because you let the transgenders in, they're going to make life miserable for everyone with their complaining. This is from Campus Reform, and how's this headline? Harvard researchers. And what do I say about people in Harvard? Bunch of douchebags. <laughs> if you ever doubted me, here you go. Harvard researchers claim COVID-19 wouldn't have been so bad if U.S. paid reparations. Researchers at Harvard Medical School claim that reparations could have slashed coronavirus transmission by as much as 68% in Louisiana had minority American households received as much as, get this white boy Malcolm X, $850,000 each prior to the pandemic. And I don't know, folks, if that includes fake minorities like white boy Malcolm X. A group of scholars led by Dr. Eugene Richardson and Dr. Momin Malik looked at differences in frontline work and overcrowded house by race and used it to compare Louisiana, a racially and socioeconomically diverse state, with South Korea, a more racially and economically homogenous country. Their peer-reviewed study was published by the academic journal Social Science and Medicine. The authors proposed, and folks, 
If you ever see pictures of Dr. Eugene Richardson and Dr. Momin Malik, you know that these two have never done anything off a college campus in the real world. <laughs> because anyone who worked or lived in the real world and not in an ivory tower would be like, that is a really stupid idea, but not these two. The authors proposed a reparations plan for descendants of slaves in the amount of 800000 per household or 250000 per person, which they claim could have lessened the spread of coronavirus by helping eliminate the racial wealth gap. Though most proposals for reparations have generally been limited to the descendants of people enslaved in the United States, the researchers wrote, All black Americans, both those descended from persons enslaved in the U.S. and those who are recent immigrants to the U.S., have a moral claim to reparations for the effects of ongoing systemic racism. The CDC has observed that rates of infection, hospitalization, and fatality due to COVID-19 are higher among black people than Caucasians, Hispanic, and Asian Americans. <laughs> and can you picture that, folks? Can you imagine being an Asian American immigrant, an Indian immigrant, and not a Native American, not like Pocahontas, but an uh, Indian from Southeast Asia, or a Hispanic You have traversed all the way up from Central America through Mexico and into the U.S. via the Rio Grande, and you are there. You are at the immigration office, and there is a black guy sitting next to you, and he is from, I don't know, Ghana or somewhere in Africa. And he is, if these folks at Harvard get their way, this black immigrant, capital B black immigrant sitting next to you, he's going to get a check for $250,000. Just for rolling into the U.S. because he happens to be black. And you, if you are Hispanic or Asian or Southeast Asian or wherever, you are from anywhere else, but uh, your skin tone is not black, you are going to get the tax bill to pay for that. (laughs) And I shouldn't laugh. It's not funny. It is absolutely, it's insane. And this is what you get from these douchebags sitting on a Harvard campus. Let's give all black people $250,000. $250,000. And if they just got off the boat two weeks ago, yeah, let's give them $250,000 too. <laughs> and all these minorities are going to have to pay for this stuff. <laughs> How did I cause this? <laughs> Bless all your hearts. You're getting the bill along with the rest of us. According to the authors, reparations that allow people to not need frontline jobs would both spread the. So, in other words, they get to sit at home on their asses and spend this money. <laughs> I don't have to work. I got 250k in the bank. Would both spread the risk of these jobs across the population and may also lead to overall higher wages and better working conditions in frontline work. If people are not forced to take such work out of desperation, especially during a pandemic, then wages and benefits would reflect these risks of these jobs. The paper also claims that the reproduction rate the number of new infections that stem from one confirmed case of the virus may be more justly described as a form of symbolic violence because it does not... So if you folks, if you catch the coronavirus, that may be symbolic violence because it does not often include oppressive social forces like institutional racism and sexism, which may require an individual to have more exposure to others. God, Man, I want to live in the ivory tower as well and come up with loopy ideas like this. I tell you what, what do you think is going to happen, folks? What What is going to happen when you start handing out $250,000 checks to every black person in this country? And if you happen to sneak over the day before the checks go out, you're getting one too. Boom. Done. You got your cash paid for by all these other minorities in the country. Suckers. 
But what do you think is going to happen? Because how many stories have we had, folks, of people who have won the lottery? Just think of that. All these people who have won tens or hundreds of millions of dollars, and what happens? It's gone, right? They spend this money quicker than you would ever think they would have. Like, man, $100 million. Man, you're set for life. Uh, Six months later, nine months later, if that, they are bankrupt because they just blew it on all sorts of crap. And so you're going to handle these people who have never had this kind of money before. They're going to be like, oh, I'm a good white liberal, and I think everyone should have $250,000. Here's your check, buddy. What do you think that black guy, capital B black guy, or that capital B black girl is going to do? They're going to spend that money, and they're going to be right back exactly where they started. And I would say within 60 days, most of that money, down the toilet, just gone. There you go, Eugene and Momin, you dopey douchebags at Harvard. Think through these things before you open your mouth. Because you come off like, again, a bunch of pencil-neck Ivy League douchebags who don't know anything about the how the real world works. This is from the Daily Wire. Ohio State University is hosting its third annual sex week, sponsored by the abortion giant Planned Parenthood. And if you folks don't know about Planned Parenthood these days, they are not just into abortions. They are one of the largest provider of hormones for transgender. So they are making huge bank on all these transgender boys and girls. They come in. You don't need your parents. <laughs> you don't need anything. You just show up. I identify as a girl. I identify as a boy. Boom. Here are your pills. Off you go. And Planned Parenthood is making huge bank off of that as well. But they are also sponsoring or have sponsored Sex Week at The Ohio State University. From February 14th to the 20th, so we literally just missed it, folks. It just wrapped yesterday. A university-sanctioned organization will host virtual events for Sex Week. Its mission is to educate our community about sexual health in all its forms, including non-traditional sex topics such as LGBTQ sex ed, which, let's face it, folks, I can't imagine being non-traditional sex topic at all at this point because that seems to be all anyone is ever talking about is the LGBTQ sex life. Anyway, healthy masculinity, gender equality, and reproductive rights. The group takes specific aim at Ohio laws that do not require or regulate sex education in the K-12 school system. This year's virtual events include webinars entitled That's Toxic, a talk on healthy versus toxic masculinity. Hmm, who knew, white boy Malcolm X, that there was healthy masculinity? I thought it was all toxic, but I guess not. Kiss Me Through the Phone, Cyber Sex During COVID-19, and Vanilla Sex, but with toppings, a conversation on alternative pleasure. Other events listed discuss the gender binary, or perceived lack thereof, a conversation on kinky sex, sex work, which in my day was called prostitution, and behind the scenes of OnlyFans. <laughs> Here we go again with OnlyFans. A subscription, but we already know what it is, a subscription-based service where people typically sell nude photos to fans. Blah, 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 blah. The organization that puts on Sex Week is called the Student Advocates for Sexual Health Awareness, SASHA. SASHA is sponsored by the university student government, the College of Social Work and Public Health, the Department of Women's, Gender, and Sexuality Studies, and can you imagine what a fun group they are, as well as Planned Parenthood. And if you think this nuttiness stops there, you're wrong. In light of the coronavirus pandemic, other colleges have increased efforts to talk about sex as well. At the University of Georgia, the university's health center posted and then removed a sex advice page for students. You are your safest sex partner, the site read according to Fox News. Practice solo sex or limit the number of sexual partners you have. The virus has been found in semen and feces of people with COVID-19. We do not know if COVID-19 can be spread through vaginal or anal sex. 
Yale's health department also circulated a document that advised students to limit sex by masturbating and encouraging students to liven up their sex lives by wearing masks. (laughs) Don't kiss me with your mask on. According to the Washington Free Beacon, the guidelines also offer tips on how to clean sex toys and ask students to avoid rimming or any sexual activity that involves putting your mouth on the anus. (laughs) And that's what your kids are learning. But don't worry about it. You don't have to pay for it because Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer will probably forgive student loans. (laughs) Like, at least I don't have to pay for that. This is from Cron.com. This is out of Houston. Is your cat destroying your love life? This study says yes. So where's my cat? I got to get rid of him. It's no secret straight guys often... Oh, straight guys. I don't have to deal with that. It's no secret straight guys often use pets to get dates. And it works. There's even science to back it up. But according to a new study, first reported by the Wall Street Journal, dudes need to ditch their cats in their dating profiles if they are really serious about securing a valentine. Sounds brutal, but then again, we're just looking at the science, folks. The study featured in the peer-reviewed journal Animals and amazingly titled Not the Cat's Meow, The Impact of Posing with Cats on Female Perceptions of Male Datability, found that more than 1,300 women viewed heterosexual males posing with a cat in their photos to be less masculine when holding the cat, higher in neuroticism, agreeableness, and openness, and less dateable. (laughs) Women complaining about straight men being neurotic. Hmm. Now that is interesting. An expert at Match.com even backed it up. Rachel D'Alto, Match's chief dating expert, told the Wall Street Journal that straight men had a 5% lower chance of landing a like on their site when it was revealed that they had a cat. Straight women with cats were 7% less likely, so I guess the spinster with the cat is not what they want. Also, according to the article, dogs give straight and gay men a 20% higher chance on average for scoring a like, and women a 3% higher likelihood. So I guess white boy Malcolm X... I guess I got to toss that stupid cat out and get a dog if I want to get a date. Bad kitty. You're a bad kitty. (laughs) Somehow I don't think it's the cat, but okay. Anyway, whatever. This is from The Federalist, and how's this headline? New York school principal urges parents to become white abolitionists with propaganda graphic. A New York college prep school sent white parents literary materials asking them to identify their level of whiteness, ranging from white supremacist, which is depicted in red, to white abolitionist, depicted in green. According to race education watchdog Christopher Rufo, white parents of 6th through 12th graders received the tool for action from the principal of Eastside Community School asking them to work towards becoming white traitors and abolitionists by subverting white authority as well as changing institutions, dismantling whiteness, and not allowing whiteness to reassert itself. This is the new language of public education, Rufo tweeted, along with a graphic depicting the eight white identities. And don't worry, folks, we'll get into that in a second. The curriculum, authored by Barner Hess, an associate professor of African American Studies. So yes, folks, another very, very, very angry, capital B, black person. Political Science and Sociology at Northwestern University, weaponizes languages such as superiority and white regime to challenge people who operate without fully acknowledging the burden of capital B blackness. (laughs) I can only imagine how privileged Barnard Hess is as an associate professor at Northwestern University. But For some reason, folks, he's just like that uh, fake social justice warrior Colin Kaepernick. He feels oppressed. (laughs) 
So he gets to be as racist as he wants, bashing Whitey. But God, you say anything to him and he's going to cry like a little baby. Well, you're just being a racist. There is a regime of whiteness and there are action-oriented white identities. People who identify with whiteness are one of these. So white boy Malcolm X, this does not include you because you identify as black. Capital B black too. It's about time we build an ethnography of whiteness since white people have been the ones writing about and governing others. And others is capitalized. So not just capital B black folks, but capital O others as well. The list reads. And just in case, folks, just in case you're like, well, Miller, Miller, what are the eight white identities we want to know? I want to know where I am on the spectrum. Okay, here you go, folks. Number one, white supremacist. And that is all of you folks. <laughs> so, if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably a white supremacist. And that is defined, though, as clearly marked white society that preserves names and values white superiority. White voyeurism. That, voyeurism, good God. That is slightly better than a white supremacist. And that is defined as wouldn't challenge a white supremacist, desires non-whiteness because it's interesting, pleasurable, seeks to control the consumption and appropriation of non-whiteness, fascination with culture, example, consuming black culture without the burden of blackness. White privilege is, is number three, and this is how that's defined, may critique supremacy, but a deep investment in questions of fairness equity under the normalization of whiteness and the white rule. Sworn goal of diversity. White benefit, I'm not going to read all these. White benefit is fourth. White confessional, white critical, and that is a, a dopey white liberal. Oh, white people suck. White people suck. Running <laughs> around throwing their own race under the bus <laughs> so that they appear more woke. With, the, uh, with their friends, in the, especially in the Ivy Tower. White traitor is one, and a white abolitionist is another. So I guess a white traitor is a white Uncle Tom. <laughs> God. So there you go, folks. Barner Hess, an associate professor of African American studies, which is uh, just hate whitey studies, at Northwestern University, has come up with a list. And you, your homework for... Um, for the next podcast is to come up where you are on this, on this white identity, what your white identity is. God, I'm not even going to read this article. It's from Ars Technica, one of those tech blogs written by virgins. Because we've been talking about Gwyneth Paltrow. I don't even know how this wound up in my pile, but you know, Gwyneth Paltrow has her vagina scented candle. If you don't know what that is, it just, it's a candle that smells like her vagina and don't yell at me folks. She's the one that says that the vagina smells like our candle. <laughs> I think it's called something like, this candle smells like my vagina. I don't know. But this headline, it took a year, but Gwyneth Paltrow figured out how to exploit the pandemic. It goes on for like two pages about how Gwyneth Paltrow and her goop crap is uh, trying to profit off of that. No kidding. How's this headline? Loneliness and isolation drive some gay men to break lockdown rules and seek sex. <laughs> No kidding. And if you've been listening to this podcast, I have no doubt you've said the exact same thing. No kidding. We all know that because we have been reporting here about all these queens breaking COVID lockdowns, those queens in Atlanta partying, those queens in Cabo, all those other circuit parties. God, They have been out and about and you are not going to deny a white gay man his good time. COVID Karen or not. Two new studies have looked at the impact of stay-at-home orders on gay and bisexual men. And folks, if you don't know what a bisexual is, they will do anyone. The results suggest loneliness, boredom, and isolation are driving some men to seek sex with others outside of their household. Others are turning to technology to fulfill a need for connection. 
The first study published in the BMJ was undertaken by Europe's biggest sexual health clinic, 56 Dean Street in London. The clinic sees a huge number of gay guys. I wonder, white boy Malcolm X, I wonder if this is the clinic where all those white queens in London went and bought up all the prep. (laughs) And if you folks don't know what that's about, we had a story a couple months ago where the article was complaining about white queens going and buying up all the prep and they left nothing. Those shelves were completely empty. There was no prep left. White queens took it and all the BIPOC people, no prep for them, right? So the article was complaining about all the white queens and how racist it was because there was no prep for anyone else on the white queens took it. But I wonder if that is the clinic. Anyway, picking back up, the clinic surveyed just over 800 gay and bi men and asked them about their sexual behavior during the UK's first lockdown, which occurred from March to June 2020. The men were all HIV negative and three quarters were PrEP users. So I guess I guess everyone in that survey must have been been white. And yes, yes, I'm going to tell that story. So folks, there's a quick prep story for you. So White Boy Malcolm X was over yesterday. We were just kind of screwing around a little bit. We were doing some show prep, getting some stories lined up and everything. And we went downstairs and we were kind of channel surfing and we decided we wanted to watch some Family Guy episodes on, on television. So there's Fox Now app on my Apple TV. And so we pulled that up and we started watching that. And they have commercials, right? doesn't matter if you're streaming. They're going to play all the commercials. So they had, folks, they had a commercial for prep. It was this gay commercial for prep watching The Family Guy. And of course, I guess that made sense because a lot of queens love The Family Guy, right? And so there's this prep commercial. And of course, anytime you have any medication, they always have to list all the side effects. They're going through all this stuff about kidneys or your liver or all sorts of blah, 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 blah. And then they get to the most common side effect is diarrhea. And we both kind of looked at each other and just kind of laughed. Because prep is kind of, I mean, to me anyway, prep is kind of funny for two reasons, right? First, prep is a once a day pill. You have to take prep every day if you want to help stop HIV. And what is HIV? HIV, for most people now, HIV is a pill a day, right? So you are taking a pill a day. So you don't catch something that makes you take a pill a day. So for me, that's just kind of a wash, right? And the second reason, folks, you know, like I said earlier, PrEP, the primary side effect of PrEP is diarrhea. Right? So you, you have very loose stool, you have loose bowels, and you're always in the bathroom, right? So is PrEP actually causing a, a reduction in HIV rates, or is it the fact you can't even have any gay sex in which to catch it in the first place? So I wonder if those scientists were like, why don't we just give them X-lax and we'll just call it a day? They won't know the damn difference. They can't have sex. So they'll be like, man, this PrEP must really work. But it doesn't really work or kind of works, right? So I don't know. This whole thing with PrEP is kind of, it's kind of funny to me, right? Take a pill a day to not take a pill a day. And then you're going to have a lot of diarrhea if you wind up taking this thing. So you're not going to have any gay sex to wonder whether the medication works or not. Anyway, picking up and uh, here are the key findings on this. 76% reported they have been sexually active, of which 76% reported sex outside of their household. 75% reported fewer partners than before lockdown. Isolation, loneliness, 48%, and anxiety, stress, 27%, triggered sexual activity. Wow, that's interesting, white boy Malcolm X. Those anxious queens out there are like, damn, I'm, I'm suddenly very horny. While 46% reported no change to emotions ordinarily experienced following sex, 20% reported guilt for breaching COVID-19 restrictions. So we know who the Catholics are. And don't get all butthurt, folks, I'm Catholic. So. And trust me, I know about Catholic guilt. Mama Frost is an expert at wielding that. 30% reported difficulties in accessing testing and treatment. 76% introduced one or more changes to their sexual behavior. 
while 58% applied one or more steps to reduce COVID-19 transmissions during sex. Those on PrEP reported having a higher number of partners, more engagement in chemsex for party and play. And folks, if you don't know what that is, that is Tina or crystal meth. That is where, and don't ask me the specifics because I don't know because I've never done it, but if you do crystal meth, like I've said before, you're up all night. So if you do crystal meth and you have sex, apparently you can go like a 20-year-old, right? Or go like a 15-year-old with a high school teacher. (laughs) But they, yeah, that's party and play and use of sexual health services than non-PrEP users. The authors concluded COVID-19 restrictions had a considerable impact on sexual behavior and mental well-being. No duh. A second study appeared in the Journal of Homosexuality, White Boy Malcolm X. Did you know that there was a Journal of Homosexuality? Neither did I. (laughs) Well, imagine what that reads like. And was led by researchers at UCLA in California. It surveyed men between April and May last year and found 63% of gay men only left their home for essentials during the first wave of the COVID-19 pandemic. Subsequently, staying at home led to these men experiencing greater feelings of anxiety, loneliness, and dissatisfaction with their sex lives. Probably because they're like, girls, I got so much prep sitting at home and I can't use it. I can't get laid. The survey took place via the app Hornet. Approximately 10,000 men in 20 countries took part, with most being aged 18 to 34. Most of those in the survey said they use dating apps such as Hornet to stay connected with others. The authors noted that such apps have a role to play in addressing some of the explicit concerns related to mental health and sexual health during this public health crisis. The researchers also add, It is important not to stigmatize the sexual behavior of gay men during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oops. As increased stigma levied at already... (gasps) Marginalized communities may exacerbate mental health issues. Uh Uh-oh, white boy Malcolm X. We are are still in a marginalized community. Ian Holloway, a UCLA associate professor of social welfare and the study's lead author, said, We know that all people are affected by the isolation that can result from physical distancing. Our concern is that the harm may be more severe among gay and bisexual men who face... (gasps) Disproportionate rates of poor mental health and sexual health outcomes. COVID-19 has exacerbated stress, anxiety, and social isolation within our community. So white boy Malcolm X, boom. Man, we are back on top of the victimhood chain. (laughs) Damn, nice. Good job, Ian Holloway. There is the harm is more severe among gay and bisexual men, and we face disproportionate rates of poor mental health and sexual health outcomes. And white boy Malcolm X, I mean, you're fake black, so you may know this better than I do, but I I cannot see those folks in the capital B black social justice woke community being happy with this. Because according to them, their group, they face disproportionate uh, issues surrounding COVID. They face disproportionate issues surrounding HIV. They face disproportionate effects on anything and everything they can get their hands on, anything that they can dream up. The BIPOC folk face disproportionately far more than anyone else. And Ian Holloway, a UCLA associate professor of social welfare, who, let's face it, folks, he is about to get his ass canceled. <laughs> he is coming out and saying that we are on top. So yet again, I need a flow chart. I need some sort of chart that I can track who is on top and who is on bottom because <laughs> I love it when... Uh, When these sorts of things pop up about arguing about who is more disproportionately disaffected by X, Y, or Z. And I, you know, I can't blame them for uh, if they get upset and they will get upset, folks, right? Because there is some good money to be made 
if you are at the top of the disproportionately disaffected heap. So we're back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But, you know, there's some good money to be made in that stuff. So I assume that any day now there will be another article that I can report on that shows that capital B black folks are, again, disproportionately disaffected by COVID and not us queens. This is from the New York Post, and here's this headline. Men with these sexy features are the best in bed survey finds. And folks, when they talk about men, I don't know whether they mean men with vaginas or men with penises. I don't know. It doesn't say so. We're just going to roll with men, and men can be however you want to define it. We're not going to judge that. We don't want to get in trouble with the transgender community. Beauty is in the eye of the beard holder. The rom-com cliche of a well-stubbled sex machine with a piercing stare might not be far off. And who would complain about that? A recent study found that bountiful beards and brown eyes are the biggest indicators of whether a man is an assassin, an assassin white boy Malcolm X, in the sack, Great Caesar's Ghost. The salacious survey conducted by OnBuy.com asked 4,450 women, and folks, again, I don't know whether these women have vaginas or penises. It could be 4,550 women with penises. I don't know. We're not going to judge it. We're just going to roll with it. 4,550 women to list the physical attributes of men they have had the best sex with, the Sun reported. Clocking in first was facial hair with a whopping 73% of participants claiming that their best sex partner sported a heavily forested chin. Meanwhile, 71% of women ranked men with cappuccino peepers as the best in the boudoir. And in proof that bad boys finish first, so to speak, men sporting piercings and tattoos came in at 70% and 62% respectively, Also in the mix were the broad-shouldered at 68%. Apparently, big things do come in small packages, as 53% of women claim that their most skillful lovers boasted small feet. Hmm. That seems odd to me, white boy Malcolm X, but we're just going to go with it, folks. Meanwhile, heading up the not-so-sexy end of the spectrum were big hands and bushy eyebrows. Despite seeming like a rather frivolous finding, the allure of big beards is actually rooted in real science. A 2018 study published in the Journal of Evolutionary Biology found that flowing facial hair to be more attractive to women when considering long-term rather than short-term relationships, and that is the difference between dating and hooking up, as they indicate a male's ability to successfully compete socially with other males for resources. Perhaps the ironic millennial beard emerged as a mechanism to fool women into thinking we're the fittest. I don't know about that. They're all in their mother's basement masturbating, using a sex doll, and playing video games. <laughs> so there you go, folks. If uh, if that's your thing, men with beards, assassins in the sack, whatever the hell that means. Okay, then. There you go. This is from the Post Millennial. More than half of Canadians think that government institutions are systemically racist. <laughs> Someone else is being disproportionately disaffected. According to a new poll where 1,000 Canadians were surveyed, 54% that they feel that racism is built into the Canadian government and its institutions. I wonder why they would think that. The poll was conducted on February 2nd and 3rd as part of Black History Month and also asked Canadians, white boy Malcolm X, they have Black History Month in Canada. Did you know that? Well, there you go. You can go up there. You can go up there. You can take your Kenti cloth and you can go celebrate in Canada when they let you over the border and also asked Canadians if they thought that black history was being taught enough in Canada's schools. According to the poll, which was performed for Global News by Ipsos, 
there is a direct correlation between the age of the participants in the poll and how unlikely they thought the Canadian institutions were racist. Canadians 55 years or older were 9% less likely to believe in systemic racism. Shans Khan, who works for Ipsos, said that one of the potential reasons for this is that people in that age group perhaps haven't experienced systemic racism as much themselves. Or Shans, or it could just be the education system has just been brainwashing the hell out of kids for the last 20 years. They didn't teach that when I was of age, but man, they teach it all the time. They teach it, pick a class, they'll teach it there. They'll teach it in math, they'll teach it in home economics, they'll teach it in symphony orchestra if they want to. When you haven't seen that much of it yourself, you perceive that it's less of a problem overall, Khan continued, adding that people are often reflecting on what they were taught. You can say that again. Younger Canadians who potentially have been more exposed to the diverse histories of the country do not feel that way. There must be a correlation between education and whether you believe there is systemic racism or not. (laughs) You can say that. You can definitely say that again. Man, like I said, they will teach that in symphony orchestra. We're about to play this lovely symphony written by a racist. So let's go ahead and discuss what a racist pig Beethoven was before he plays music. <laughs> Do you know what, White Boy Malcolm X? Because you're fake black. Do you know what? This is according to Statistics Canada, a government website. Do you know what the population percentages of capital B black people in Canada, not just fake black, but capital B black, real black people in Canada is? No clue, huh? <laughs> It is actually 3.5% of the population white boy Malcolm X. That is uh, capital B black. Not fake black like you, but capital B black. I tell you what though, folks, that's about 3.4% more than I thought it would be. I wasn't sure there were any black people in Canada, but apparently there are a couple of them lingering about in all of that cold. And so they are up there in Canada polling. Who thinks that there's systemic racism built into the Canadian government? And lo and behold, Shocker of shockers, folks, those youngsters being brainwashed in the school's last 20 years, they're the ones that think that there is systemic racism. And your folks like me, 50 and above, you're like, not really, but we didn't get that good brainwashing like the rest of them. And here we go. Our last story, a smoking gun story and a Florida smoking gun story at that. The Lord continued to giveth for sure. Here's the headline. Walmart wanker told police he was lonely. (laughs) Oh, I can't imagine what this is about. A man who was spotted pleasuring himself inside a Kia in a Walmart parking lot. So white boy Malcolm X, this guy, this dope is jerking off in a Walmart parking lot of all godforsaken places. To feel the urge to do that, Walmart, a Walmart parking lot is not that for me told Florida cops that he was lonely because his former girlfriend was in Colorado, according to an arrest report. Police were summoned yesterday afternoon to a Walmart in Vero Beach by a woman who reported that a man who was parked next to her was masturbating while behind the wheel of a car that had its driver's side window open. So not only did she witness that, she could hear him doing that as well. Upon arriving at the parking lot, cops stopped a Kia with out-of-state plates and asked the driver to exit the vehicle. When Kyle Weiss, 26, stepped out of his car, there was little doubt he was the suspect being sought. I noticed that he had an obvious erection protruding in his shorts. A <laughs> I wonder how much he liked that. Weiss initially denied exposing himself and claimed that he was at the retailer as a food shopper, adding that his business is like Uber Eats, buying food and delivering it to customers. 
During further questioning, Weiss reportedly admitted he was lying to police. Another one, white boy Malcolm X, just like that dumb underage chick in Oklahoma who admitted she had a fake ID to cops. This was like, okay, it's not really the truth. Asked by an Indian River County Sheriff's Office deputy, bless your hearts, all of you, at the River County Sheriff's Office, because you have got to be some of the most put-upon people in Florida, how he crossed over from doing his work business to playing with himself. Weiss said he is lonely as his ex-girlfriend is in Colorado. Weiss also claimed that he did not realize he could be seen playing with himself, the report notes. (laughs) That doesn't look too obvious, I guess. Weiss was arrested for exposure of sexual organs and disorderly conduct, both, of course, misdemeanors. Weiss, who was released last night from the county jail after posting a $1,000 bond, is scheduled to be arraigned on March 23rd. Weiss's residence is listed as an apartment in Denver, and he is alternatively described as a contractor and a taxi driver in court and jail records. (laughs) You folks in Florida, I tell you what, two things. First, stop jerking off in Walmart parking lots. God. Of all the places you want, you want to jerk off in your car, drive around the back. You don't do it in the damn parking lot. (laughs) Man, it's like that guy, White Boy Malcolm X, remember that kid? Folks, we had this story a couple months back where this kid, he went to a car dealership at night and he brought his sex toys. He was wearing lingerie. The kid was like, I don't know, 19, 20 years old, young kid. And, you know, he's diddling himself in a car dealership. <laughs> and we surmised that it had to have been new cars. That, that was the turnoff for him, right? Because he could take his sex toys and his panties and all the other weird stuff he brought with him. He could do that anywhere, right? But he wanted to do it around around new cars. He was defiling himself on a car lot and they arrest him. And this kid is, you know, defiling himself in a car in a Walmart parking lot. And I'm wondering, you know, he could take care of business anywhere. He could take care of business behind the Walmart. He could take care of business, you know, at home. He could take care of business anywhere on the beach, in the ocean where no one can see what he's doing. Everyone thinks he's swimming around. Uh Uh-uh, he's taking care of business. But no, he does it in the Walmart parking lot. The windows roll down. People hear him going, uh, 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 whatever. (laughs) Weird noises he makes. So, no, that's number one. And and number two, if you're in a Walmart parking lot, be on the lookout because if you think, folks, if you think that Kyle Weiss is the only masturbator in the Walmart parking lot, you are wrong. So be careful out there. You might get hit with something. And I guess that means we are out of here, white boy Malcolm X, because I cannot top some kid jerking off in a Walmart parking lot. So let's go ahead and plug pull this puppy Thank you so much, folks, for stopping by the Miller Frost Show with me, your host, Miller Frost, and with white boy Malcolm X. Again, remember, you can always get hold of me. Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com is my email. At Miller Frost is my parlor handle and my local site, MillerFrostShow.Locals.com. I actually don't think we are going to be here Wednesday. I have got a scheduling conflict that I cannot get out of, and it's Wednesday and Thursday. I'm going to try for maybe even if it's just like a 30 minute, you know, news quick hits or something like that, just to get a podcast up, but don't count on it. Um, We will definitely be back next Sunday because that is the last day of Black History Month and white boy Malcolm X is going to be wearing double canty cloth for that. So we don't want you to miss that show because we are going to have a lot of fun there. But in the meantime, have a great rest of your weekend, a great start to your week, and we will see you back here soon. Take care. Charles didn't have just any 
coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 